Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very good evening to you just after 6 o'clock, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, shukran so much for joining us on VOC 91.3. Yeah, um, 2015, third month already gone. Alhamdulillah, shukran Allah. May, may Allah always put um, lots of barakah in, in, in our time and uh, whatever it is that we are doing, inshallah. I'm Khawa Solomon. This is Questions and Answer Forum, where we take your questions via SMS on 47. 913, as well as our Facebook page, The Voice of the Cape. Like it and pose your questions, or you can email your questions and comments, queries through to uh, J at vocfm.co.za, uh, or just contact our reception downstairs, 021-442-3500, and you can request the mode that you most feel comfortable and that's available to you to answer, at least to pose your question. So um, we're based at number two, Queens Park Avenue. You can pop in and also just chat to Zarina during the office hours or call during office hours. So um, Alhamdulillah for those joining us um, across the lands and over the seas. Hope you are well wherever you are and uh, your family is too. So a warm welcome to you as well for joining us. A very good day and good evening to you if you've also um, decided to join this edition of Questions and Answers. So with me once again answering your questions with a detailed answer is Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst, the resident imam at the Yusufiyah Masjid based out here in Weinberg, Cape Town. Assalamu alaikum to Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Sister Hawa, and also a salam alaikum to all our listeners. Alhamdulillah. Sheikh, so we really are catching up on our backlog, and just when, we, when we're doing that, um, Maghrib is going to creep up on us, so we have a short edition of uh, questions and answers, but alhamdulillah, definitely we'll try our best to get as much of your questions, so please do continue sending them through. Um, Sheikh, as always, as is best to take it home, um, do the necessary uh, facts and uh, figures, and come back with a detail answer to answer your question. So, Sheikh, the first one that we have for today is Assalamu alaikum. May a revert read from a paper when performing salah. Shukran. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. The river that performs his salah would obviously be someone that perhaps uh, does not know how to recite everything that needs to be recited. Mm. Now, we obviously uh, make a distinction between what is necessary to recite as the, in terms of the integrals of what must be recited and things that are perhaps voluntary or that is extra. So for the river, they can stick to what is absolutely necessary only. And that would be obviously the takbiratul ihram. So to begin the salah, to say Allahu Akbar. Okay, that is necessary. And then immediately after that would be the Fatiha. Mm. So I suppose maybe this is where the question comes in. The person may not yet know the Fatiha. Okay. Can they recite the Fatiha from a paper, etc.? The answer is yes, they can do that. There won't be anything wrong with that um, to recite it. Uh, The only thing that we want to sort of just bring to the person's attention is that we try to uh, minimize our, or minimize rather, our movements when we make salah. So when you're standing with a paper or you're going to read from something, you shouldn't make too much movements because we know that can invalidate the salah. Okay. The actual process of reciting from a paper, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and of course, like I said here, we would focus only on that which is necessary for the revert. You don't have to teach the revert all the extras. Uh, that, that, that is recited. So minimal, let's just go through what is minimal. Hmm. So you recite, like I said, the Takbiratul Ihram, then you recite the Fatiha, 
Then you go into Ruku' You do your And even the Azkar that is done during that is all Sunnah It's all Sunnah So you can teach that at the later stage So you go down Having all those things are Sunnah Just the movements you have to do Mm -hmm. And the next thing that you have to recite Is obviously uh, the Tahiyyah That comes at the end of the Salah which is that needs to be recited so out of the things that a person may want to then read from the paper would be the Fatiha and the Tahiyya at the end okay. anything else in between would be Sunnah and not really uh, of the integrals of the Salah let me just add something else as well so let's say somebody has become a Muslim but they don't know anything um, there's no one to teach them there's, there's nothing but they know there is Salah to be made and maybe they know all the movements because they've seen it somewhere. So what they tell us is that if you cannot recite the Fatiha, then the next best thing that you should recite is, you should recite something that is equal in length to the Fatiha. Let's say the person doesn't know the Fatiha, but he knows Kul Wallahu Ahad, let's say. Mm. For some reason, they memorize that one. Then they can recite Kul Wallahu Ahad uh, maybe twice. That will give the same duration of the Fatiha. Hmm. If they cannot do that of Quran, they can recite any other dhikr for that matter. Okay. Right? Like La ilaha illallah or Salawat or Subhanallah. Whatever they can, they can recite for the duration of the Fatiha. If they cannot even do that, then of course they just remain silent for the duration of Surah Al-Fatiha. Of course, what this teaches us is that anybody can still make salah, even if you are not fully equipped. Hmm. You can make salah to the best of your ability. But if the person wanted to recite from a paper, and I suppose here it will be probably in transliteration that the person will be reciting, Hmm. because he may not know the Arabic script, um, that will be permissible, as long as the person does not, as I said, make um, extra movements, lots of movements and gestures that could possibly invalidate the salah. So if that is uh, um, sort of uh, abstained from, then inshallah there should be no issue as far as that is concerned. Just to add on to this question, because I came uh, across it um, doing the Riva show on a Wednesday, alhamdulillah, and um, after New Year of um, individuals that um, embraces Islam through another individual, what is that, um, and usually a Muslim, of course, so what is the responsibility um, of that Muslim to have left that new revert with, um, as we know, there are there are definite farut in in Islam that you have, that you know everybody from beginning whether you missed out, you know from the day you became Muslim you have to um, you have to pay back. So besides the kalimat shahada, the acceptance of Islam, um, is there advice with regards to salah or hijab or other additions that the Muslim should now be leaving this new revert with? Yeah, of course, the, the Muslim that is uh, influential over or that has taught this uh, revert and has been the, the reason for the revert to become Muslim in the first place uh, and others around this revert, not only him, but anyone else that knows this revert, obviously they must try their best to teach this person the basics of Islam first. You know, mm. don't go into any details because Islam is an ocean. You, know, you can't uh, do it all in a, a number of days, you have to take time to do it. So what we do is, yes, the first, very first responsibility would be tahara and salah. Tahara okay. in the sense of purification, okay. right? How to purify yourself when you go to the toilet, how to take ablution, how to take a ghusl when needed. 
I mean, those things are essential. And then immediately after that, the salah, that would be the very first and foremost uh, obligation to be taught because it is something that, as you rightly said, that occurs from day one. Mm. It needs to be done day one. But you're not going to, for example, I'm just giving you an example, you can't uh, expect the person to learn about the hajj immediately because the hajj will not apply immediately. The hajj will only apply at a later stage, maybe when the person is able to go. So you don't teach the person about the hajj and all the details thereof uh, at the beginning, but rather you focus on that which is absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. So that would be the responsibility of the one that was close to the person and anyone else that knows the person that can uh, you know, lend that helping hand and that assistance. And this is indeed very important. Uh, we are all always very excited when somebody embraces Islam. And yes, it's a great honor, you know, and it's a great privilege to know someone that has embraced Islam. But it's even a greater uh, responsibility to see and carry forth, you know, the duties that comes after that mm-hmm. to support and to teach and to help and to assist. That is of paramount importance, inshallah. Inshallah, shukran for that comment, Sheikh. Uh, with that, let's just take a short break and we'll come back with more of your SMSs on 47913. Back in a moment. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good evening. Shukran so much for staying with us and being with us on 91.3 FM as well as out in the boil at 95.8 FM and uh, enjoying the lovely weather weekend with this last few sunny days, alhamdulillah, and very soon um, we'll have to carry our jerseys wherever we go um, as it is getting a little bit in the morning and, and in, in the afternoon as well. But alhamdulillah, what a beautiful day. Let's uh, try and appreciate our weekends. With me is Sheikh Ibrahim Wuz. I'm Khawa Solomon. Next one says shukran for the program. I am a married. I am a man married for many years, alhamdulillah. The only place I am not contented is when I do call my wife to bed. For months, I don't know if it's four months or four months <laughs> per se, she would refuse me without a valid reason. Um, other than she has no interest. It has led to me um, to envy another wife. Is that vice pleasure? Yeah, of course, uh, the uh, intimacy that ought to be present in a marriage uh, between husband and wife is something which is essential, is something which is of the main ingredients of keeping a couple happy and keeping them together. It is natural. It is something which Allah Ta'ala wants uh, to, to, to occur. It is something that has to be present. A marriage cannot be a marriage if that level of intimacy is not optimal. Um, so um, it is, of course, in this light that we find that the Prophet والسلام, has given very stern uh, warnings and stern addresses to someone who, uh, whilst he wants to uh, have this intimacy with his wife and his wife refuses without any due reason, without any, without any due cause, like he, uh, the, the question is saying here, she's just not interested at that moment. And that shouldn't be because uh, at the end of the day, it is her duty to keep her husband chaste and pure and protected. And it is the duty of the husband also to keep his wife pure because that is why they got married. They got married in order to uh, be with each other and not to let them the eyes roll elsewhere and look mm. elsewhere and, you know, uh, look at greener, uh, you know, fields, etc. Mm. I mean, that shouldn't be. They, they should keep each other contented as far as that is concerned. And that is why we find the Prophet ﷺ, he said, إِذَا بَاتَتِ الْمَرْأَةُ هَاجِرَةً فِرَاشَ زَوْجِهَا لَعَنَتْهَا الْمَلَائِكَةُ حَتَّى تُصْبِحَ That if a woman goes to bed at night while she is turning her back on her husband, mm-hmm. while he requested from her to be intimate or to, to be with him, and she refuses that without any due reason, and that is important. I mean, if, if there is a good reason, she's ill, etc., we can understand. But if, she, if there's no reason simply because she just doesn't want to, 
then she will be receiving the curse of the angels until the following morning. The angels will all be cursing her throughout the night. And of course, we don't want that. We want uh, the blessings of Allah. We don't want the curse of the angels or from Allah or from anyone like that. We rather want the blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is why it is, yes, it is uh, obviously important that uh, that uh, uh, you know she doesn't refuse without any due reason because that will upset the husband it will cause uh, emotional issues it will cause other issues it will lead to other things as well and he's already alluding to that mm. that he's already having a desire to remarry another woman or to look somewhere else etc so you must be careful that it doesn't uh, you're not going to push him towards that Okay, so um, and and of course people now now people become technical. They say now now you know um, how and and what's the duration. We don't have to talk about those details. It is something which husband and wife they work out, you know, or they have understanding, or they are comfortable with how these things occur, hmm. you know, how frequent or not. That is something which the spouses themselves work out. Okay, so uh, we want to say to this woman, please don't do that. Try your best. To satisfy him and he should also do the same and that is what a marriage is about a marriage is not about trying to spite each other mm. or to show each other that i can you know neglect you if i want to and you can't do nothing to me i mean that is not what marriage is about uh, we shouldn't uh, sort of uh, it's almost like a bargaining tool you know sometimes mm. that uh, spouses want to uh, wage up against each other or tit for tat, uh, yeah yeah it's, it's it shouldn't be because it mm. just causes unnecessary conflicts and problems within within a marriage. So on the flip side, Sheikh, another question has come through um, in the same context. It says, Salam, it's the second time I hear a, a woman must obey when a husband wants to be intimate. What about when the woman wants intimacy and the husband rejects her? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would agree that it's not a one-way thing, you know. Mm. It's, a two, it's a two-way road. It's a mutual relationship. That's why they are married to each other. There's two people in a relationship. And yes, I mean, we can't expect from the one side and not from the other. Yeah. And here, simple, I quote a verse from the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَهُنَّ مِثْلُ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And this ayah spells this out very clearly. That is Surah Baqarah chapter 2 verse 228. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allah ta'ala says, And they, meaning the wives, will have equal of rights what is upon them. Mm-hmm. Right. So equally what, what, what the husband is expecting from the wife, the wife should also be expecting from mm, the husband. husband. And so yes, uh, the husband also should not be neglecting his wife or rejecting his wife without due reason or trying to spite her or trying to show her. Mm. There are of course sometimes in the Sharia that it is allowed for the husband to do that. Allah Ta'ala has given indication of that in the Quran. Okay. Sometimes if there is conflict where the, the wife is just stubborn, she doesn't want to give in or she doesn't want to, mm-hmm. then one of the things which the Quran does sort of uh, allude to is that yes he should sleep away from her to show okay. some kind of dissatisfaction with what she's doing especially if it is something that uh, is unreasonable from her side mm-hmm. where, where she's doing something against Allah's laws etc which is unreasonable then he has the right to do that mm-hmm. but we're talking of normal circumstances normal circumstances he should not be uh, you know trying to spite her like I said there should be a uh, uh, two-way relationship mm-hmm. and that's why I find it very interesting that we often also speak about how um, women you know they should look optimal in the house they should look beautify themselves and so on so that the husband can always find him attractive mm-hmm. okay 
But uh, it's, it goes on the other way as well, you know. You can't expect the wife to be very much attractive and make herself attractive to the husband where the husband neglects his appearance. Mm. He doesn't care how he smells or looks, etc., etc. And that's why Abdullah ibn Abbas, I found this you know, statement from him where he said that, you know, I beautify myself to my wife the same way that she does to me. Because mm. that is required. The wife also needs that. She also wants to be comfortable mm. and she also wants to feel attracted. To the uh, to her husband, mm. so that also on another level, you know, shows the importance of that mutual sort of input that needs to come from both husband and wife. Shukran Sawash Sheikh. With that, let's just take a short break, and we'll come back with more of your SMSs on four seven nine one three. Back in a moment. Radio station, your radio station. Our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Questions and Answers. I'm Khawa Solomon, and of course, answering your questions on 47913 or via fax 021447271 and also via email. You may send it through info at vocfm.co.za. Assalamu alaikum. Can I respect a husband who uses drugs, has an affair, hits me? I've done all I can to keep him happy, did everything he asked, although he hits. I, I gave him food, clothed him and his mother, um, kicked me and my child out while he stays. I've also been to the um, judicial body many times, but he refuses to sign divorce papers. Advice, Sheikh. Yeah, of course, again, one of those uh, very, very tragic uh, yeah. incidents and, and, and matters, you know, in our communities that we hear so often about. Mm. Um, and again, a woman that is distraught because of a situation that she is in. Um, I will obviously, just looking at the question, if it is exactly the way you are saying here, you've got more than grounds to get a fasa. Mm. Uh, there shouldn't be any problem for any judiciary to do that. Of course, the investigation must be done. And yes, if they ascertain the facts and they have called in every, everyone and uh, they, they ascertain that this is indeed the case and there's no way that this person is going to change his habits. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time that this has been happening. I don't think they should hesitate to give a fasakh in this, in this regard. Islam, you know, it, it tells us, the Prophet tells us in a hadith, la darar wa la dirar. It's a, it's a rule that is so important that we find most of the ahkam of the sharia, most of the rulings are actually based on this particular hadith. Mm-hmm. And what it means is there shall be no harm. Harm should never be entertained, you know, and harm should never be indulged in. You should not harm others. You should not allow others to harm you. You know, there shouldn't be a reciprocation of harm. You know, in fact, the jurists, they will tell you there's a, a law that they sort of uh, formulate their, their rulings upon. And that is You know, um, harm must be lifted at all times, must be erased at all times. So I, I cannot see how, for example, a woman has to go through all this. And yet nobody does nothing, hmm. you know, or it's just, you know, you have just to wait till, till he makes toba, etc. It may never happen. It may take a 10 years. It may take 20 years, you know. So um, I think what this woman should do is if she doesn't get any good response from a particular judiciary, she should, she should, she should expedite other judiciaries, okay. you know, and tell them that, look, I've gone here. They're not willing to help me. Or maybe they are. You know, I always, okay, I, I give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they are inundated, whatever the case hmm. may be. But you cannot obviously allow a situation to get out of control and, and remain out of control like this. Mm. So um, 
uh, I would suggest them go to another judiciary and put pressure on them, say to them, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, look at what this husband has been doing to me for the last couple of years. Look at how I look. Look at, you know, all these things. Islam does not allow us to sort of just uh, ignore these situations. We must do everything in our power, everything that we have in our rights, to avert and to take away this harm that is being inflicted upon this human being. Hmm. Okay, that is the bottom line. And uh, we, we obviously would then tell her to do that. Uh, I mean, just this thing that she's mentioning, you know, there's no nafata, there's verbal abuse, there's physical abuse, all these things, you know. Um, so there is enough grounds, sufficient grounds for her to get a fasah. And she should proceed. If she doesn't get, like I said, from the one, she should go to another one because sometimes... Unfortunately, uh, you know, either they are inundated or this may be issues, whatever the case may be. But uh, she doesn't have to endure all, all this all the time. Uh, she could expedite. And I think even if she has to go the legal route, then she should do that, you know. I mean, if the husband is still pursuing her, etc., get up into it against him. Because at the end of the day, you need to, to save God yourself and your child, etc., etc. And here also we, we, we call upon parents, you know, and it seems here she's a mother kicked out, etc. I mean, so also sometimes the parents, uh, so in this case, the parents of a drug addict, they don't want to mm. see the bad that the son is doing. Yeah. But rather they want to just see the, the, the daughter-in-law's mm. uh, weaknesses or mm. faults, whatever it may be. And we must remember we will be answerable in front of Allah. You know? mm. We can do as much as we want in this world of oppressing others, of, of doing whatever to others. You know, At the end of the day, we are going to appear in front of Allah and He's going to question us about every little detail of our lives. Mm. So if I supported my son who I know is doing wrong, who I know is oppressing, who I know is not living as a Muslim, hmm. and I'm still supporting him in that, then it means I am an accomplice and I will obviously be uh, equally answerable as far as that is concerned. So hmm. I call upon the parents here also to show a little bit of compassion, you know, to the daughter-in-law, to their grandchild, you know, show a little bit of compassion. And yes, I don't know the details. There may be uh, other side of the story as well. Hmm. There's always two sides of a story. So I don't know the details, but just from what we can read here, you know, just a little bit that we've, that we've uh, sort of um, put our minds to here. Uh, we cannot obviously say that this is an acceptable situation at all. Mm. Okay, so we hope for the best for this particular woman and her child, and we hope that she will get some closure and some you know positive outcome of this particular incident that she finds herself in. Sheikh, the next one is, Salam. How do I solve a problem as to where a mother-in-law is always in ruling of her son? He will buy her things and not discuss it with his wife. She has to find out by strangers of the goods he bought, um, not food or necessary things like food, etc. She has also uh, two other sons that are adults already. Yeah, the um, I think the situation that we always are faced with uh, as married uh, people is uh, obviously to always have a balance in our lives mm. with regards to managing our relationships. And here the relationship, especially between spouses and between parents. Yeah. And this seems to cause sometimes a little bit of contention and sometimes a lot of contention, not a little bit. Um, but we need to obviously do the managing as best as we can. Mm. And the simple solution here is the Prophet sallallahu said, Give everyone that is due a particular right, give them the right that is due to them. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, the, 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 the father, or rather the, the husband here, he's got a duty and a right towards his wife, and he's got a duty and a right towards his mother. 
Mm. Okay, and those both are relationships that cannot be compromised on. They are both relationships that are very important, that he's got a duty towards them, etc. Okay, mm. so I will say, I mean, in terms of if he's buying his mother things and he's spoiling her, even if it's not necessities, but it, it's not infringing on the rights of the other. Mm. So he's buying his mother a lot of things, but he's still giving his wife also. Then I will say that is a very good thing because at least he's still trying to fulfill his duty towards his mother. Even if there's other children, they may not be doing the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, or they may. Doesn't matter. The fact that it's my mother, and I would like to give her whatever she wants and whatever she, if I'm able to, then I, I can do it. I should mm-hmm. do it. Okay, but I'm saying as long as it does not infringe on the rights of the wife as well. Oh, okay, that's important because I cannot be giving my mother things, my mother things that she doesn't really need, while I'm not giving the necessities or the basics to my wife. Mm-hmm. Because that doesn't make sense. My duty towards my wife is equally important. Nafaka is equally important as far as that is concerned. So I, I wouldn't want to really say that. Look, I mean, if if the husband is doing this, does it mean that everything he buys his mother he must tell his wife? Mm. Not necessarily. You know, as long as he's not neglecting his wife, he doesn't have to tell her each time that you know I bought this or I bought mm. that or you know. So 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 even if she finds out by someone else, there is no problem in that. The fact is, it's his mother, and he feels he wants to spoil her. He wants to give her. Inshallah, that is a, a good act. It's an act that will gain him the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But at the same time, I, I I want to reiterate again: he should never neglect the duty on the other side. He should never be only you know because some people they are like that. For them, it's like one way, you know, one or the other, mm. one to the exclusion of the other. And it shouldn't be. I mean, the the husband should play this very important role of doing the balancing act between the two, and. Um, so yes, if you are buying your mother some things, try to buy your wife also gifts. So now and then, you know, try to spoil her as well, so that she doesn't feel left out, so that she doesn't feel, you know, you're giving all your attention to your mother and not even looking at her. I mean, the Prophet sallallahu had a beautiful relationship with all his wives. You know, he was very uh, much in love with all of them, and he used to shower them with whatever he had. You know, he would never, I mean, say that in Aisha, he was so close to her that he would allow her to stand and watch how the Abyssinians were playing, you know, and having some fun. And he, he was waiting with her until she was comfortable to leave, you know. And that's a small thing, but it shows how much the Prophet ﷺ would do things in order to appease his wives. Hmm. That is very important. We need to do that. We we cannot say, well, no, it's my mother is much more important. So no matter what the wife thinks, it shouldn't be to that extent, you know. So I think it's a it's a matter of uh, really for the on, from the wife side, uh, try to understand that the husband is obviously always going to love his mother and he's going to do whatever it takes to please her. Try to understand that. And yes, if he is neglecting you. Really, in what you are due, then you've got all the right to tell him. But I'm not happy with that. Hmm. Okay. But if he's not, if he's trying to to balance it out, he's giving you as well. Try to to see it in the light of you know a child being obedient to the parent, and that is something that we are required to do in the Sharia. All right. So uh, I wouldn't want you to cause issues between your wife, uh, between your husband and his mother, and to cause unnecessary problems. And yes, if he doesn't tell you about everything, little detail, then overlook that because maybe you know it's not necessary for him to report back to you on everything. All right. Unless it's of course if it affects your life or it affects your your rights. Then you can obviously tell him, no, I'm not happy. So I think each one here, both husband and wife, they must bear in mind this balance that is important, uh, how we, uh, you know, conduct ourselves with regards to our um, 
with regards to our spouses as well as with regards to our parents. Shukran, Inshallah. Shukran, Sheikh. Uh, let's just uh, take a quick break after that SMS. And uh, after this, please do continue listening to questions and answers as we give a detailed answer to your question. Back in a moment. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the last uh, segment in this insert of questions and answers on your Saturday evening. We'll be with you right up until 7 o'clock, Inshallah. Uh, with me once again is Sheikh Ibrahim answering your questions on 47913. Sheikh, the next question is also relating uh, to Ramadan. I have too much saliva and phlegm. Can I swallow in the fast? Yeah, you, fast. May, you, you, may, you may swallow if you are un- unable to spit it out. Hmm. Right. What you should do, see is if it is uh, just saliva in your mouth, that you swallow. That's natural. That you swallow all the saliva, time. Saliva, yeah. Saliva. But if it is phlegm that you brings up from your that you bring up from your chest, etc., then you you should spit it out if you are able to. Hmm. Right. But if it's uncontrollable and you're not able to spit it out and you happen to swallow it, then it's fine. I mean, there's there's nothing that is anything that is beyond your control. There's no problem. Okay. As for normal saliva in your mouth, there's no problem that you swallow all the time as a natural f- form of moisturizing your your mouth. It's Etc. So there is there is no problem. So we make a distinction between the two. The phlegm is something obviously that comes from the inside, and you need to obviously spit it out if you are able to. If you are not able to, then that is also acceptable. Shukran, Sheikh. This is my first year that I'm experiencing bleeding gums. It only bleeds for about three seconds, and not every day. Um, not every day would would bleed for one day and then after three days and so on. Does this nullify my fast? And am I using um, a miswak toothpaste and tablets, but still bleeds. <laughs> yeah, again, I, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, just as far as you can, try to rinse your mouth and spit out if there is blood in your mouth. As far as you can, you, you, you do that. And do not worry too much afterwards. If you've, if you, if you've rinsed your mouth and you're fairly comfortable that there's no more blood uh, on your gums, etc., Khalas, that is finished. You don't have to worry further than that. Uh, again, Allah says, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah Ta'ala does not place a burden on you that is above your means. So you will know bet- better uh, whether uh, the condition is whatever it is. Uh, so the best that you do is try to, to the best you can, contain the situation. Mm. And over and beyond that, do not worry. Because Allah Ta'ala won't put a burden for you that is so difficult, that makes it so uncomfortable. So just try your best. And inshallah, that is all that is required. Salam Sheikh, my sister is forever bad mouthing others. I tell her not to do it. She says it's not wrong. Of course, uh, bad mouthing in the sense of uh, talking behind someone's back and speaking ill about him is definitely wrong. It's definitely one of the uh, major things which Islam came to teach us about. Um, we should never try to uh, disregard other people's feelings in the absence and speak bad about them in the absence. And the example that the Quran gives is quite a very strong one, where Allah Taala says in Surah Al-Hujurat, which is chapter 49, verse 12, where Allah Taala says. لا يختب بعضكم بعضا. You should never backbite each other. Then Allah gives this example: أيحب أحدكم أن يأكل لحم أخيه ميتا فكرهتمه. Would any one of you like it if he was presented with a dead flesh of his brother? Would any one of you eat that? It says فكرهتمه. Allah says you will never, you will dislike it. So as if Allah is comparing the fact that if you are backbiting someone, you may as well have consumed this. Is meat or is is flesh? You may have. Uh, it is as if you've consumed his dead flesh, which is a very horrible uh, thing to think about. 
So Allah Ta'ala wants to really make it clear in our minds how bad it is to speak about someone in his absence. And remember, even if it is something that is true that you are mentioning about someone, but you know that that person will dislike it, mm. then that is still haram. It is still ghibah. It is still um, backbiting. And we shouldn't do it. Uh, and there was one occasion where uh, Sayyidatina Aisha radiallahu anha, she just said something about one of the other wives of the Prophet sallallahu Sophia. And she said, every time Sophia, I hear you speak so much about Sophia, Sophia. You know? And then she said, as if she was uh, giving some impression that Sophia was a very short person. So as if she was giving that to the Prophet, you every time speak to her and she's very short. And the Prophet Ali said to Sayyidah Aisha, لَقَدْ كُلْتِ كَلِمَةً لَوْ مُزِجَتْ بِمَاءِ الْبَحْرِ لَمَزَجَتْهُ Said to her that the small word that you said now, you said something about Sophia in her absence. And if this was to be mixed with the water of the ocean, then this word of yours would contaminate the whole ocean. Because of what you've said Because you're taking on somebody's honor You know, somebody's integrity in his absence Which is totally haram Which should not be And that is why our our uh, integrity must always be in place We should try our best not to speak about people in their absence And uh, if we have a problem with someone We should obviously go and uh, address the issue with the person directly And not cause uh, any further ill feelings or enmity or animosity so definitely you should advise your sister and continue to advise your sister that what she is doing is wrong. She should not be backbiting people and badmouthing people. And just remember, while you are backbiting someone, just remember someone else may be backbiting you as well. And you would never like it. You'd never be satisfied if somebody speaks to you or about you in that manner. So do not do it to other people as well. Rather, speak good about people or keep quiet. If you don't like the person, don't say anything. <laughs> Just keep quiet. That is the best remedy. Don't say anything about him. Keep silent. In that way, you are safe. And you are not going to, obviously, uh, spoil your tongue with things which Allah is not pleased with. Uh, answering your SMSs on 47913. Salam, Sheikh. When my wife was pregnant during Ramadan and fasted those days in again when she ate, does she also have to pay fidya for the day she missed? Yeah, it would entirely depend on why she didn't fast. If she didn't fast on account of the health of a baby, and this normally happens at the first uh, stage of pregnancy, in the first trimester. Mm. So the doctor advises her that you shouldn't be fasting because it will harm the fetus. In such a case, she will have to pay in those days and she will have to give a fidya for each day that she didn't fast. But if it is that she's not fasting on account of her own health, and this normally happens towards the end of the pregnancy, the last trimester, the doctor will say to her, look, if you, don't fa- if you fast and you don't eat, most probably the baby will survive. Hmm. But you will upset your own health because your sugar levels and your blood pressure, everything goes up, everything is abnormal. So if you don't eat on top of that, it will maybe worsen your own condition. Then in such a case, if she is not fasting on account of her own health, then she merely has to pay in those days. She doesn't have to give a fidya uh, together with that. The fidya is only applicable if she is not fasting because of the health of the fetus or the health of the baby. Okay, If it's for her own health, then it's as if she's a sick person. A sick person only needs to pay in the days and not necessarily give a fidya for those days missed.
Shukran, Sheikh. I think we'll have to leave um, those SMSs there for now. We do hustle lots to do, but Shukran, um, for those that have sent their SMSs, we do have a long list of uh, questions and we will get to it in good time, inshallah. Jazakallah khair to you, Sheikh, once again, and we will see Sheikh next week, Saturday again, inshallah. Shukran, Jazilan, and uh, may you go well, inshallah, until we meet. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And from myself, Hawassalam, be safe wherever you are. Switch on those headlights, buckle up, and take us wherever you go. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and a very good evening. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.